is loneliness, temptation, uncertainty, hard work. Those were some of the very helpful responses that I received uh, from some single friends that I surveyed about three or four years ago. But what does God have to say about singleness? And isn't this all a bit trivial? Like, aren't we just trying to squeeze this in to make the singles feel better and then we can get on with the real issues? We're trying to do that. Well, if that's what you think, uh, whether or not, whether you're single or not, you couldn't be more wrong. Let me explain why. You see, um, if you're a Facebook user, and I know many of you are, and uh, I'm sorry about that. I wish I could get out of Facebook, but I can't. It's trapped me in. Anyway. If you're a Facebook user, this comes up on your screen when you set up your relationship status. You might remember this. So you choose to publicise your relationship status. Look at it all. Single, in a relationship, engaged, married. It's complicated. Never really know what that means. But anyway, in an open relationship. Oh, my goodness, that sounds awful. Um, so, and, and it goes on. So you can have that as your relationship status. Now, here's where we're heading today. The relationship status that matters is, it, and that is eternal and of first importance above and beyond the temporary and secondary nature of family and marriage is your relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What matters most is not singleness or marriage. The relationship status that matters most is your relationship with God. So what matters most is not singleness or marriage. In fact, everyone at some point in their life will be single. Everyone. What matters most is whether you're in God's family. That's what matters. And there's nothing trivial about that. So being single or married does not make you better or worse in God's eyes. Our humanness is not defined by being married or singleness. Uh, married or single. So today, what we're going to try to do, we're going to bust the top. I couldn't find ten. That's a bit of a pity. Ten's a nice and round number. I've got nine. We're going to bust the nine, the top nine myths of singleness. And more than anything else, God's word will point us back to the eternal blessing of being in God's family. Now, as I said at the start, I received a bit of help from some single friends. One of those single friends, a girl called Emma, there she is, um, she wrote an article, which you can still find today, uh, which I've, I've used a fair bit of and asked her for some permission uh, to, to quote her. Uh, she writes this article um, called Satan's Lies About Singleness. Anyway, she tells the story of finding her article, Satan's Lies About Singleness, translated into Spanish on a Christian website. And I thought, that's pretty cool. And, you know, she's written this article, she's found it on a Spanish Christian website and it's been translated into Spanish. She thought it might be a bit of fun then to translate it back into English using Google Translate. Now, in her original article, she writes, I'm deliberately addressing this to women who aren't married but would like to be. Now, when that sentence was translated using Google Translate back into English after being in Spanish, this is what it read. This is for women who aren't married but would like to be pregnant. <laughs> sort of missed the point there a little bit, but anyway. Uh, so we hope, we hope things are going to be clear today anyway. So uh, how about I pray for us and uh, ask God to, um, uh, to help us. There'll be some time at the end for a question or a comment, uh, or two or three. And don't forget, if you'd like to, use the comment cards and you can put in the white box at the back there and I can get in touch with you or I can answer it next week. That'll be fine. There's also a, an outline that you received as you came in. It's a double-sided one. Don't let that frighten you. 
there are some gaps there. That helps you to stay awake. So you can write in what the top nine myths about singleness are. And if you don't get them all, you can ask me at the end. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. We thank you, God, that you love us and care for us. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would guide our our thoughts and our hearts this morning. Uh, Help us to listen to your word, find comfort in it. Help us to be challenged by it. And we pray that we will put your words, Lord Jesus, into practice. Amen. Myth number one. Here it is. Marriage is better. That's myth number one. Now, this gets drummed into us uh, in movies, in media, in friends' comments. It's as if marriage is the holy grail of relationships. Think of how many movies, you can probably rattle a few off in your head, think of how many movies finish or climax in a wedding scene. So let me, I I didn't take long to put this group together. Princess Bride, Mamma Mia, Bridesmaids, Hitch, Meet the Parents, Notting Hill, uh, Love Actually, they go on, Sound of Music. There's so many of them. And in Christian circles, we can get sucked into this a little bit. Sometimes talking as if marriage is the ultimate goal of the Christian life even. Uh, It's almost as if we we idolise marriage. But God doesn't say marriage is better. No, no, in fact, the Bible says marriage points to something better, something greater, an eternal marriage. Now, this is the first reading we had from Ephesians chapter 5. I'll, I'll put it up on the screen. I won't read it through all again. But the Apostle Paul says that earthly marriage reflects the marriage between Christ and the church, the church being God's family. That's the mystery that Paul refers to that final verse in verse 32. And Christian marriage ought to remind us of the eternal marriage or that eternal marriage. So, for example, in verse 25, when a husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church, there is Christian marriage reminding us of that eternal marriage, reminding us of the cross even. But hang on a minute, aren't we meant to be talking about singleness? Well, yes, we are. You see, singleness also points to something greater. Singleness anticipates eternity when there will be no marriage, and even as we know it, no family. So in Matthew 22, responding to the Jewish leaders trying to trick Jesus, Jesus says that at the resurrection, or heaven, uh, people will neither marry or be given in marriage. And early in Matthew 12, whilst Jesus was speaking to a crowd, I've got it up on the screen there, there uh, his mother and brothers stood outside, that's Jesus' mother and brothers, waiting to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. Get a wriggle on. They want to talk to you. And then Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then he points to his disciples and says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother or my brother, my sister and my mother. So the family that matters most, Jesus says, and this can be a hard word because we love our families. But the family that matters most is God's family. Being in a temporary human family does not equal eternal blessing. Being in God's family does. Now, this is related to another myth. I guess I could have done 10. But anyway, this is sort of a 1B. Anyway, the other myth is I'm single, I have no family. That's a myth. Like all of these myths, they're lies of Satan. If you love the Lord Jesus, you are in God's family. You are Jesus' mother, brother, sister. Uh, 
a lecturer of mine, a, a college lecturer, a Bible college lecturer of mine, his name is John Chapman, um, he passed away in 2012. He, he's written a number of really great books. He was single for his entire life. Uh, no children, no grandchildren, and when he died, no surviving relatives. Anyway, in the last few days of his life, he had so many visitors um, to his hospital bed that one of the hospital staff said to him, oh, he must have such a huge family. Well, he does. He does have a huge family. He's in God's family. And so singleness reflects the eternal relationship between us and God. It anticipates our heavenly future. And Christian marriage reflects the eternal relationship between Christ and the church. Now, we're not done with myth number one yet either. If you have your Bible there, flip over to 1 Corinthians 7. This is where the Apostle Paul speaks about the gift of marriage and singleness. Paul is addressing some issues in the Corinthian church to do with marriage and the importance of sex in marriage and so on. But he finishes the point by saying, verse 7, I'll highlight it there, I wish that all of you were as I am, he says, but each of you has his, uh, your own gift from God. One has this gift, one has that. So if, if you are married, or by, by God's grace, you have the gift of marriage. If you are single, by God's grace, you have the gift of singleness. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And Paul goes on to make clear that you can move from one to the other for a number of reasons. One is not better than the other. Both are gifts from God. Both anticipate the Christian's eternity with God. Let's go to myth number two. Not all the myths are as long as myth number one. You might be glad to know. Myth number two, marriage doesn't matter. Again, let's listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 7. It's the next verse uh, that we, we read, read earlier. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, that's singles, I say it is good for them to, be, to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves in regard to sex, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So marriage matters because marriage is the place for a sexual relationship. Marriage is the place for sex, uh, not singleness. Uh, don't do sex unless you're married. And if you're not married and you do want to do sex, which is understandable because you're full of hormones and all that sort of stuff's going on, um, that's okay. And if you're struggling with it, then the Bible says get married. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I said I can do it for about, I can make it happen in a month. How's that? That's pretty quick, isn't it? Um, now, I'd also, some practical advice for me, I'd, I'd say don't go for a long, silly engagement. Don't do that. You don't need to do that. The most important thing about your marriage is not the wedding day. It's your life together. Go for a cheap marriage. A, sorry, a cheap wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, get it done. Anyway. It's better, to, it's better to marry than to fall under the judgment of God. Anyway, now, we're going to come back to dating in a few, few moments' time too. Let's go to myth number three. I'm single because I'm... Well, you can fill in the rest of the sentence, uh, if you like. I'm single because I'm ugly, I'm too tall, I'm overweight, I've got no hair, I've got too much hair, I've got funny teeth, etc. But I know lots of married people who are ugly, tall, hairy, overweight, and, and no hair and funny teeth. Um, they're not all sitting in this room, by the way. But uh, <laughs> don't look around. Married people can look weird as well. In other words, it's got nothing to do with how attractive you are. Um, 
Shape, size, personality are not the reason for singleness, although that doesn't mean if you're single you should let yourself go and stop bathing and stop brushing your teeth. Okay? Um, friends, if, if whether you have the gift of marriage or the gift of singleness has nothing to do with your looks, your personality, or any other earthly trend, fashion or whatever. That too is a lie of Satan. Ultimately, someone is single or married because God is in control. God is sovereign. That's God's will for your life right now. Trust God that he is, in his sovereignty, fully capable of finding you someone. Now, that doesn't mean that God will provide you with a wife or husband. It just means that your singleness is not because God is not capable, or nor is it because of what you look like. Myth number four. I'm single because God doesn't love me. That's a myth. It's a lie of Satan. Now, if you're a Christian person, you know that God loves you. You know that. You know verses like 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know that. But we get caught up and so easily entangled in the attitudes of this world and we, well, we see sickness and sadness and tragedy and we begin to doubt but the world around us cannot be what shapes our understanding of God's love. It's the cross of Christ which must do that. We must keep looking back at the cross. So Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's what one um, single friend of mine wrote on, on this survey I did a little while back. I think it's really helpful. Um, what happened on the cross is a much bigger and better demonstration of God's love than providing me a husband. It's good, isn't it? Okay, myth number five. Myth number five, I'm single because no one values me or loves me. No, it's another lie of Satan. Here's my, fi- uh, my, my friend uh, Emma again. Someone marrying you will not make you valuable. Doing things for other people will not make you valuable. You cannot be made valuable because you are already valuable. You are valuable because God Almighty himself created you in his image, no less. You were valuable, as Psalm 139 says, the minute God wrote your days in his book and nothing that happens to you in this life can change that. That's myth number five. I'm single because no one values me. Well, that's a lie. Myth number six, marriage fixes all your problems. Yes, it is true that marriage can help with loneliness. Getting married will help with the temptation of sex outside of marriage. And yes, marriage can make it possible to have children. And marriage could mean that you can afford a a home to buy. But sadly, many marriages are lonely. And many marriages, to be honest, all at some point have problems with sex. And that's why we must keep working on our marriages, because marriages aren't smooth and... Sometimes they are difficult. Many marriages struggle to have children too. And in many marriages, the thought of affording a house to buy is this long and distant dream. So marriage doesn't fix all our problems. It's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 that marriage can bring anxieties. A married man, for example, is tied up with the concerns of this world. His wife, his family and providing for them a house, food on the table, school fees and so on. So that's myth number six, marriage fixes all your problems. Myth number seven, you've got to find the one. 
Not only is this one of the dumbest things that we can say to singles, and it comes from all the Hollywood rubbish we watch, it's also hurtful and it's confusing. Uh, it came up a number of times in, um, in my survey. Oh, you'll just know when he's the one was something said to one of my friends after sharing with this person that they're single. But then my friend writes on the survey in big capital letters, but how? How do I know? How do I know when I found the one? You could be waiting a long time with that attitude. Um, yes, it's true, God knows whether we will marry and who we will marry. But there's absolutely no way for sure we can know who the one is until we stand on that day, on that wedding day, you stand opposite them and you make those promises and you sign those forms, then you'll know absolutely you've found the one. That's when you'll know. And what you can do is pray, make a wise decision, get to know them well, speak to godly friends, read God's word, and then be faithful to your marriage promises. Now you're probably thinking, that's so unromantic. Poor Michelle. Well, poor Michelle for many other reasons, but not that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, now I'm not, I'm not saying that you should marry anyone as long as they're Christian, available and breathing. Um, nor am I saying there's no place for romance and physical attraction and so on. Read Song of Songs. What I am saying is that in your desire to get married, if, if you're single and that's you, then don't search for the one. Look for someone who loves Jesus, who is full of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I think that's the, that's the nine. Now, what I want to do, I want to pause for a minute and, uh, and talk about, I want to talk about dating. Uh, isn't that nice? Uh, well, what is it? What is dating? I had to use an old-fashioned word because the word changes so often. What's the young person's word about dating? Going out? Is that the same thing? I'm looking at young people. Help me out here. <laughs> they don't really know, no? Okay, there'll be a church. There are young people here, they're too shy. That's okay. You know what I mean, even if you're too shy. What is dating? It's not marriage. Dating is not marriage, uh, it's a friendship, getting to know a person more deeply for the purpose of one day marrying that person. That's what I think dating is. Now what this means in practice is that if you think there is no way on earth that you could marry this person, well, I'm going to say don't go out with them. But it might take you some time to get to that point where you can make such an informed and responsible decision. And that's okay. And that takes some maturity. But there's no, necess no necessity to be dating or going out with someone to come to that conclusion. That's why going out in groups is great. Getting to know people in different situations, how they relate to their families, their friends. And dating is not for stirring up and playing with the emotions and desires and feelings that are designed for marriage. It's not pseudo-marriage or practice marriage. If you think that, you'll be hurt. For, for one, dating doesn't come with the promises that marriage does. Uh, friends, don't be deceived. Dating is not for beginning a sexual relationship. The try before, before you buy attitude is not found in God's word. So we've got to be careful with sexual temptation. God says flee from it, 1 Corinthians 6. And, and, and I want to say honestly, if, if you're down that path, then, then stop uh, 
pray, repent, free from it, flee from it. And God assures that his forgiveness is sure. God is a God of second chances. Weigh the time you spend together getting to know each other. That's my advice to people going out and dating. Don't, don't put yourselves in situations that will stir up sexual feelings. Uh, being alone together in the bedroom, lying on the bed with the doors closed, nice romantic music playing and some candles, well, you're asking for trouble, aren't you? <laughs> Be an encouragement to your brother or sister in Christ. Help them to be holy and sanctified. Ask yourself, what am I taking, sorry, ask yourself, what am I taking from my boyfriend or girlfriend's future wife or husband? It's a fair question to ask. Uh, ask another couple to keep you accountable. Pray about it and communicate. Uh, there's no better anti-aphrodisiac than a good prayer time. Uh, friends, you, you speaking to those who are going out or might one day do that and a good advice for parents if you've got teenage children I think uh, you will never regret exercising self-control you'll never regret exercising self-control but you are likely to regret not doing so okay that leads us to our next myth myth number eight marrying or dating a non-christian is now my only option better that than to stay single. Friends, yes, God's family is huge, and yet singleness can be very painful and a lonely experience because too often we don't live like God's family should. And some, so some decide it's better to marry a non-believer. I want to quote my, uh, my friend, Emma, who wrote... No, this, this is a different friend. Um, this is... Uh, oh, gone too far, sorry. Uh, I don't have it on the screen. You have to listen very carefully. She writes, I know many women married to unbelieving men. Some of these women did not become Christian until after they got married. Others were Christian and married a non-Christian. Others have watched their Christian husbands walk away from Jesus. But not one of them would recommend choosing to marry a non-Christian while you still have a choice to make. Not one, she writes. Not the women who still trust Jesus anyway. That's from someone who's worked in Christian ministry, a single lady, her name's Danny, um, and she's had a lot of experience uh, working with women, single women, married women. That's what she says, not one, not one, would recommend choosing to marry a non-Christian while you still have the choice to make. See, not only will you share with your husband or wife the most important thing in your life, and that ought to be Jesus, and just think for a moment how Jesus does and should impact on so many of the decisions we make in life, uh, future family life, education, finances, everything. But what you put at risk by going out, marrying a non-Christian, is you put at risk, as we said right at the beginning, your eternity. That's what you put at risk. Okay, well, pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? Let's go to the final myth. The final myth, singleness is too hard, I can't keep going. And maybe if you're single, you've felt that way sometimes. I'll take you back to some responses of my survey. Uh, responses when asked about what they find hard about being single. This is some of them here. Not having someone always on your side to lean on. Uh, loneliness, uncertainty, dating is hard work. Sexual temptation. I find it hard when walking in public places and seeing so many people who are together and are married. 
People think, I must be weird because I'm single. Who's going to look after me when I'm old? Well, the Bible is very clear. Following Jesus is not a get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to suffering and pain and tough times. But what Satan wants you to do is to give up. That's what he wants you to do. But in Jesus, the Bible says God has given us everything we need to keep going. So just get, so get to know Jesus more and more. Uh, know Jesus as your most precious friend who will never let you down, who will never forsake you, uh, who will be with you at all times. <laughs> okay, let me make... Um, I think on the outline I've got three points. I'm going to give you four, just to mix things up. Uh, just to finish. Christians are not defined by being married or not. We said this at the start. What defines a follower of Jesus, his or her identity, at the very core of who they are is Jesus. So the gift of singleness and marriage are both temporary and may change through life. But the Christian's identity in Christ will not. Number two, whether we're single or not, we must learn contentment in God. So contentment in what's most important, in, in the most important of relationship statuses. We must be content in the sovereignty of God and that he is in control. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. I've no doubt he meant uh, singleness as well, as well as things like money in Philippians 4. Number three here, we must value singles and affirm singleness. They are part of God's family. So we must include them. Invite them round for dinner with the, with the family. Um, I, I've... It's why, it's why I chose that picture of, of Emma right at the start. Emma um, with her friend's kids just mucking around. So invite singles, invite them when going out, invite them um, and let them be in a position to say no. Don't presume they don't want to join in. Let them make that decision. Ask God's, uh, in God's church, we, we don't want to isolate singles. Married couples, show them your real marriage and family with its ups and downs. This helps singles not idolise marriage. I can't remember when this happened, but we invited a single person round for lunch. I don't remember it too well. But what I do remember is they witnessed a great Thomas family argument. Fantastic. <laughs> Eve going nuts. Art, Wes being intellectual. Archie going, you know, having fun as well. Me raising my voice. Michelle being disappointed. Um, <laughs> it was all happening. They, then there they were, just sitting there, just watching, you know. That's our family. It's okay. Let them see that. It's a good thing. Um, and of course, we ought to be a good example to them as well. Uh, finally, being, being single um, sets you free to serve. So one of the best bits about singleness, well, is time. As one of my friends surveyed, uh, wrote, in the answer about um, what I like being single, this is what this person wrote, I can use my time to love and serve people, which is what the Apostle Paul's getting at, I think, in 1 Corinthians 7, Singleness, Paul's personal preference, frees us up to please the Lord. Singles don't have the same distractions and anxieties that married people have. So that frees them up to serve. Uh, singles have a unique position. So I want to say if you're a single person, well, sign up. You know, get involved. Serve. Maximise your singleness for the Lord and, and his church. Okay, that, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? There's our nine myths. I hope you got them down. If you didn't get them all, come and see me later and you can get them down. Um, what I'm going to do now, I'm going I'm to pray 
and then I'm going to have see if there's some time for questions or, or anything like that. And then I'm going to show you a, a video um, by this friend of mine, Danny, Danny Truick. Um, Danny uh, used to work for a, a church in Sydney as the women's pastor. She's now doing a PhD um, on the ethics of singleness in the church. So she's a good expert. And uh, yes, she's single. Yes, she wants to be married. Um, and she continues to trust God. So um, anyway, how about I pray? If there's a question or a comment, we're all friends here. Uh, don't be shy. Please ask. Make a comment, whatever. And then I'll show this video. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for all the good things you give us. We thank you, God, that um, you give us the gift of marriage or the gift of singleness. We pray, Lord, whatever circumstance we're in, we can serve you and your church. And, Lord, that we can... Um, we know that as we understand marriage or singleness, they both point to a greater thing, a greater eternity with you. We thank you for that. Um, Lord, guide us, help us to be a loving church. Help us to love all people, whether they're married or single. So, Lord, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.